On today's podcast, we're talking the Globetrotters and whether we think the Pistons will win a championship with Tom Gores as the owner, coronavirus, and how it has affected our life. A freelance camera operator working with working the Utah Jazz and Detroit Pistons game is now in a coma. Also, Maury Hanks, a scout for the Detroit Pistons, has been hit with the coronavirus. And then we'll end this podcast with a little personal thank you to all of you, the listeners. Welcome to Off the Field Podcast is brought to you by 1660thefan.com, currently your only sponsor. Check out Off the Field Podcast on 1660thefan.com, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, leave a comment, give us a rating. More importantly, hit that subscribe button. All right, let's get this started. I'm Lance Caprosi and I'm with Andrew from Everything Pistons. All right, bro, how have you been? It's been a minute since we've talked. Man, it has. It's been a couple of weeks. This whole virus has pretty set, it, set everything pretty much into a downfall, man. And this downtime's been crazy. You've been uh, staying six feet away from everybody, washing them hands. Dude, twelve feet, unless you want to get physical. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's be serious though. That uh, when this virus is all over, if you guys can all continually stay six feet away from me, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Give me more space. <laughs> I can't stand people. <laughs> all right. So, what's this thing about the globe trotters you wanted to share with me? Man, uh, I knew you didn't know the news because it literally came out. My wife showed me, uh, and I knew we were texting and you were driving. So uh, it came out about 11.53 today that um, Jeff Munn, uh, and if I'm pronouncing that name wrong, I apologize, released the statement that Harlem Globetrotters, Fred Curley Neal has passed away at 77. Now, what? that's a... That's an iconic name right there. I mean, you're talking about 22 years, over 6,000 games played for the Harlem Globetrotters, just bringing that joy. And I, 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 my wife told me, I think it was like over 60 or 70 different countries. Uh, I think it was 90. Uh, but just, just bringing that joy to kids and, and sharing the game and just, just bringing it a, a fun aspect for, for kids to fall in love. With the game, I mean, I grew up and when when the Harlem Globetrotters were in town, I can remember my parents taking me to a game. Yep, and it's just it, it was just really shocking, man. It was one of those people that if if you're a basketball fan, it doesn't even really matter if if you're a NBA fan, if you're a you're a college basketball fan or, or whatnot, you know that name, Fred Curley Neal. And and I just wanted to start this podcast off with that. No, I. That's it's an awesome it's an awesome tribute. We got to remember that. I feel like the Harlem Globetrotters, for as famous as they are, and for how long they've been around, they still go under the radar by so many other people. Like, I don't think people realize like how good of basketball players these guys really are. It's just that they had a you know maybe there was something they couldn't do or they couldn't get to the NBA or other professional leagues, so they went they went that entertainment route with basketball. And I love them. Like when I was a kid and I got to go. There was nothing better than going to a Harlem Globetrotters game with my parents, sitting there in the stands watching. I loved it. I always wished they would have called me onto the court because I could spin the ball on my <laughs> finger and I could hit free throws really well. And I know 
at least where I was at, those were the two things they always ask kids to do to win some free gear. And, man, I would have definitely got some wristbands or something from one of those players by being able to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's – I mean, it's sad, and this is a huge part of basketball history, whether people agree with it or not. That is now gone. And, yeah, I hope – seriously, I just hope Curly Neal is, you know, remembered for what he was as a great entertainer and a basketball player. I really do. And I think that's a great story to start this podcast with. What is your favorite, though, Harlem? Do you have a favorite Harlem Globetrotter memory? It can even be from the TV yeah. shows they did on Scooby Doo, if you want to go that route. Man, <laughs> I just, maybe not a memory, but just kind of what what I took from them. Man, in high school, uh, I learned maybe maybe around ninth grade, I learned how to spin a basketball on my finger uh, really well. Like being able to throw it up in the air, you know, spin it on the finger, then and then dropping it to the palm and letting it ride around the arms, around the chest, and to the other arm. Um, I never really got good at the, you know, behind the back on the shoulder blades, but I mean, I, I I took that from them, the tricks with the ball and the the holding a kid's finger, you know, a family member's finger, so they could spin the ball on their finger. I mean, I got that from them, and it was fun. It was you know, bringing the kids over and they're, oh, wow, you know, they're spinning a ball on their finger and, and they love it so, and the, the smile. So that I think that more than just more of just a memory or, or something, I think that is, is more what I took from them. There was one thing, and I've heard this um, advice come from a bunch of basketball players. They heard it from Pistol Pete, but I heard it from a Harlem Globetrotter when I went the final time. I think I was... 13 maybe 14 years old when I went he was wearing number 22 just like Curly Neal I believe was but this was a younger guy and he was athletic he was like kind of a bigger point guard and I played point guard and there was just something he said they interviewed him right there on the on the court and he was just like that he was talking about how basketball could take you further like if you were just to work on he's like every day you gotta have the ball in your hands you gotta be dribbling you gotta be you know, entertaining. You got to be having fun with it. Like, just don't you know take the game seriously, but have fun with the game. And that is that to me was just something that has just stuck with me. That's probably my favorite memory, just because I was right there. I was just a few rows up, you know, behind the basket, just watching this yeah. guy, and like he had a huge smile on his face, and he, I think he played like the entire game, you know. And he was just fun to watch, and he brought a little bit of the old Harlem Globetrotters entertainment to his game along with providing his own form of entertainment. The dude was just a magician with the ball, and it was just something that will stick with me. Like, And I, I think it goes in with every area of life, whatever you do, whether it's sports or music or whatever, just being able to have fun with it and to continue to work on it every single day. Just let it be your passion. Let your passion drive you. That was kind of what I took from it, and that's probably my favorite memory. But then my second, this is a bad memory, how many times it took them to hit a half court shot from behind their back? It was the he was the oldest player I've ever seen on a basketball court, but he was like six eleven, and I think he honestly had to be like in his sixties. Maybe they didn't have enough people to be in Kalamazoo at the time, and they called him out of retirement. I have no idea, but he he took about five attempts to hit the half court shot from behind his back, and I mean he did it on the fifth attempt, but he actually played too, which was wild to me. He tried to dunk it. But he got stripped. I think he played less than five minutes. But he was a giant out there playing. So <laughs> the interview at midcourt and then the old seven-footer that they brought out to play because I think he was just a replacement player 
on the team. But yeah, that that was my thing. That was uh, those are my two memories from the Harlem Globetrotters, and I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think I would have heard about that until a few days until somebody posted on like Instagram or Twitter. I would not have known what had just happened if you had not brought that up. So again, thank you. So let's move yeah. on. Um, unless you have anything else to say about the Harlem Globetrotters or forever hold your peace. All no, right. I think I'm good. All right, let's let's move on. Do you think the Pistons win a championship with Tom Gores as the owner? What kind of odds would you put on that? Uh, I give it, it. It's hard to say because I, how long is he going to be the owner? I, I honestly, I don't think they do. Um, if I have to put odds, I'll give it maybe ten percent chance that the Pistons win a championship. Uh, reaching the pinnacle of success in, in the NBA is hard enough. It's it's hard enough to come by. I mean, looking at how good those Warriors teams were, they still lost LeBron, you know, injuries or, or whatnot, they still lost. You know, how good those LeBron teams were, they still lost. You know, so the Pistons got to be better than that. Now, Tom Gores, if you've been following me for a while, I'm not his biggest fan. I won't get into all the specifics, but I just, Tom Gores is too too money-oriented, and, and the team is more of his hobby, uh, if you will. Uh, and he has other businesses. You know, he lives most of the time in California. We rarely see him at games. You know, it's just, it's it, it's a business to him. And I mean, that's that's what the NBA is, and Tom Gordon is a, is a businessman, you know. So you can't, I can't be too mad at him, but I just, I don't see him really, being as involved as like a Steve Ballmer is with the Clippers? No, not at all. Steve Steve Ballmer is one of my favorite owners. Uh, him and Mark Cuban, always at the games, always cheering their players on. Being involved with the crowd, involved with, with the, the people in the stands, with the players, cheering at the game, standing up, yelling at the refs, you know, and, and always having their players back. You know, I just... Those are those are probably two of the best owners in all of professional sports. So you're talking about Mark Cuban, and this is the one thing that I love about Mark Cuban. And again, I've never met the guy; I've only listened to interviews. But the dude's a winner, and I think that his winning and his competitiveness trickles down from the top all the way down. Not even just to the court, not even just to the guys he drafts and signs. It's to the people. I bet you, if you work for the Dallas Mavericks and you're in the ticket booth, and you're just selling tickets to people, you're part of the sales team, he probably like just injects so much energy into that job just from being who he is, and that's what makes him such a great owner, in my opinion. Because I bet you there's not a single job in the Dallas Mavericks organization that he deems small. And as an employee, I mean, I'm not an employee of the Dallas Mavericks, but I'm just saying as somebody that has a job, when you're the owner – and when the manager, when they have life every single day you go in, it makes your job 10 times easier. It makes it more fun to be there. And I think Mark Cuban, that's what separates him from so many owners in professional sports. Same thing with Steve Ballmer. Some people think his antics are wild when he sits courtside. Like, he lifts his arms in the air and he shakes them and he celebrates. Kind of funny. But damn, being able to work for a guy like that or being able to play for him, I, I mean, you would always want to show up. You probably never even want to be injured. You probably even like tell people you're not injured just to be able to play for him because he brings so much to the organization. And I don't see it with Tom Gores. I mean, half the time I watch him when he's there, 
I mean, most of the time he's there pretty much for like a, either a ring ceremony or they're retiring somebody's number. But every time he's there, the motherfucker looks high and he just looks blown back all the time. And, you know, I understand you don't get to his level of success. You don't get the, the amount of money that he has unless, one, you're an incredibly hard worker or, number two, you were born into money. You know, like that's it. I don't know which one falls for him. But I will say as an owner, I don't feel like the Pistons will win a championship anytime soon just because his mind isn't set on winning a championship. You can say it, but it's the actions. It's how you stand up for players. It's how you are at the games. Fans see that. Your players see that. And if you're not motivated to win, they're not going to be motivated to win. I strongly believe that. When you know, As a winning organization, it starts from the top. And it goes all the way to the bottom. And if not every, if everybody on all levels doesn't feel like a winner, doesn't feel like they're part of a winning organization, you're probably not going to be uh, bringing home a championship trophy anytime soon. I also want to throw in Joe Lacob for the Warriors. He's one of my favorite owners, Robert Kraft from the Patriots. That guy is that guy. He, I mean, he built a winner. You know, it doesn't matter if you have Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. That dude has been behind his players no matter what. And I think that's what it takes. The whole way. Hey, whatever you got to do, you got money. If you have money, you can get whatever you want. (laughs) I'm kidding. That sounds Um, so bad, but it is what it is. Just I got. Yeah, go on. Man, I just I want to say one thing, just and it might lead right into the next topic. Um, One thing that I'm surprised about is all these NBA players coming out and saying they're donating money to uh, arena workers during this, whether, you know, COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. This pandemic virus out here. Yeah. This pandemic, which let's face it, that's what it is. Um, That shouldn't be happening. Why, why are players having to donate money to pay these owners employees? These billionaire owners, I, I don't get. I'm now granted what the players are doing is it's extremely nice. You know, yeah. it, it's it's going to help a lot of people. And now we were talking about Mark Cuban, and that's what that's what made me thinking about it because Mark Cuban is one of the few owners that has stepped up and said, "I will cover the the employees' wages." Yeah, and whether there's a payroll tax problem or whatever, he said, if I have to, when we start playing basketball again, for each game they work, if I have to pay them twice, then so be it. So paying them two, for two games while working one—that's the kind of man Mark Cuban is. And the, and the rest of these owners need to step up. These owners need to step up and cover these non-salaried workers. This is ridiculous that we have players covering salaries for billionaire owners. Now, these are millionaire players. I get it, but it's the principle of the thing. The, the, we got to step up. The, the NBA billionaire owners have to help. The, the little guys that keep the day-to-day operations running, the people that sweep up after, after a game, they need to be paid. The concession workers, the halftime flight crews, the cheerleaders, these People cannot go without pay, and the NBA, Adam Silver, needs to step up and mandate or put something in there that these people need to be played along with the players because the players are still being paid. 
So Mark Cuban is paid. Um, also, uh, I think Tom Gore's actually said he would pay. The only thing that I've seen, there's some other owners in other sports that have paid, like donated money to COVID-19 mm-hmm. relief funds, which is awesome. Drew Brees um, and his wife, I think they donated $5 million. $5 million. Matthew yeah. Stafford and his wife, they donated, I think, 500000 to a million to feed families. I think I want to say it's close to that number. But there is one thing, too. Like, a lot of those vet- – I know Mark Cuban said he's going to pay all the staff members. I think Tom Gores did, too. But a lot of those companies, they rent space. I don't know how it works for them if the owners are responsible for them. I don't know if they can give them a break maybe pay their rent back for the final months. I don't know what they could do, but I do yeah. know cuz I do I have a friend who's a vendor a bit on a smaller scale than a professional team. They work for a minor league team here in the area and they rent space from the the arena to be able to sell their food and they got to give like a small cut like 10% or something back yeah. to the arena of what they make. So I don't know how they get paid cuz she's this person, she is technically not actually a member of the arena. She's somebody that basically just rents a space out. So I don't know how it works for all of them. But if there's a company that buys space, they should be responsible for also paying their employees as well. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, for all the athletes and all the owners that have done something, hey, you guys are great humans. And that's a lot of karma points. You know, that's it's incredible. Yeah. It really is. But, yeah, we can move into talking about the coronavirus. But first I want to say, neither of us are health professionals. I shouldn't have to tell you guys that, but Andrew and I, we are not health professionals at all. We're not here to give advice, and you shouldn't take it from us at all, unless it's like fantasy football or fantasy basketball. That's the only (laughs) advice, and we're not even going to give that on this podcast. But I will say this. If you are feeling sick, stay your ass home. If the symptoms get worse, Seek out a health professional. Seriously, shouldn't have to tell you that. But if you are somebody that is, that needs to hear it, there you go. But here we are. We're going to talk about the coronavirus. How has it affected your life right now? Man, so uh, my wife's work actually just got shut down. Um, And so she's out of work right now. We're down a, a whole paycheck. And we're, like most Americans, we're paycheck to paycheck and we're really, really, we're counting, counting on her paycheck to pay rent. I mean, and and groceries, and other bills. So, uh, luckily, I, I I work in an HVAC field, so I picked a trade, and and we got marked essential. So I'm we're still running business as usual as right now. Uh, business has slowed down on some days. It's kind of hit or miss uh, with people not wanting us in their house because of the virus. So, I mean, I'm making less money. My wife's out of the job as for as long as we can see. Um, and a lot, like a lot of uh, families in this world, not just America, but uh, families in this world right now, we're kind of wondering how we're going to get our bills paid. What What has changed at your job other than not being invited into some people's houses? Like, are you doing anything uh, differently? Are you scrubbing up? Are you... Wearing a mask, is there anything that makes your job more difficult? Yeah, so, um, you know, of course, if you've ever had someone working in your house, a professional, whether it's painter or whatever, you probably see them wear, you know, shoe booties, yep. kind of little shoe covers, so I don't track them through your house. Um, so I got individual bags of 
hose. Uh, so I don't cross-contaminate. If I use them in one house, they immediately get thrown away after in my truck. Uh, and a new bag gets opened when I enter a new customer's house. Um, I do have gloves, um, but to be honest, with, with the work I do, I'm working in a lot of tight spaces. A lot of, like, I got to use a lot of, like, sense of feel yep. um, if I can't put my eyes on it. So I, I can't wear the gloves as much. Plus, they tear on screws and, and rips. So, I mean, I wear gloves here and there, but, I mean, besides the shoe booties and I... I stop after every call to wash my hands. I got some medical grade wipes on the truck, but other than that, I mean, we're not we're not doing too much. Uh, we're not wearing masks at every every call. We're not just just trying to be mindful, trying not to to touch. You know, if I have to take payment from a client, I'm trying not to touch their card, stuff like that. Mindful of how far we are away. I haven't shook anyone's hand in about a month, so. Kind of just all the stuff, listening to the doctor, or not the doctor, not even the doctors, but the scientists, the scientists, the doctors. Are you doing, so you're not doing, are you doing the elbow bump, the tap out? That's what I like to call it. Some old, like, I'm talking like, he had to be at least 115 years old. Jesus. Some old man elbow bumped me the other day, and I was like, I never, like, I could have went, I'm 25 years old, man, and I've went 25 years without doing an elbow bump. And it was so awkward because I about obliterate, obliterated the man right into dust with that simple elbow tap. Yep. Um, but, like, I mean, yeah, I, I, as shameful as it is, I admit I have elbow bumped with a old man. Yes. Dude, I've been elbow bumping <laughs> for so long. Like, I would just do that for, I don't always shake everybody's hands. So I'll just be like, all right, yeah. elbow bump, tap out, something like that. I don't know where yeah. I saw that from, but. That's that like it. the split. Like that's the that there's two people in this world. There's elbow bumpers and there's handshakers. And just in, in my profession, I've always been in in like trade work or construction work, and you know, big burly man got to have the strong handshake. So, oh, yeah. so that's just kind of what I grew up doing. Yeah, ninety percent of the time it's handshakes. But yeah. have you gotten any odd requests from customers other than not coming in their house? Um. Not really too many odd requests, but literally just today I had to, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. And by funny, it's uh, actually just kind of scary for a little bit. Um, so I was working in this uh, lady's house today uh, and I get done. Now, mind you, I had spent at least an hour and a half inside the house working and an hour and a half outside the house. So three hours total at this lady's house. Um, I was doing some work for her that she signed off on and... I, I go to, I walk in her house to tell her, hey, I'm done. I'm going to go grab my tablet to, to get payment. I'll be right back in if you can get your card and all that and be ready. She goes, well, why don't we take payment outside? There's less exposure. What? And I was like, what? Um, so I was like, okay. And I kind of brushed it off and went outside and, and grabbed the tablet. She came out with a card. We got to talking and striking up a conversation. And she goes, yeah. Uh, we went skiing with my friend not too long ago, and my friend had just got back from Japan. And now my friend is in the hospital on a ventilator. Oh, and we got to talking about that, and she's a she was actually a nurse. Okay, so she is front lines of this violence, and she didn't tell me this until after I spent the three hours at her house. 
so I had to I had to call into my work and explain how I'm an idiot and they give me gloves but I don't wear them um, and now I might have the coronavirus and luckily my work called the lady and, and she said oh no 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 no, no. Uh, we've been in quarantine for two weeks but we're out and we all had negative. So oh, okay. that's good. That's good. But she didn't tell me that at the door. She just left it at Japan's ventilator. See you later. Yeah. But what would you have done though? If you walk up to the door, you like you knock, you're like, Oh, Hey, Mrs. So-and-so. And she's like, by the way, real quick, friend just got back from Japan. They're on a ventilator. I mean, you probably would have went ghost white. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they, so we have full permission to, from our work to not enter any house that we think, uh, you know, could put us in an unsafe condition. Yeah. Um, my job is, is very, uh, worker friendly, great boss, great, great people to work for. So, I mean, they they have our backs 24 seven, but you know, if, if we show up to a job and they don't want us to come in the house, you know, we just, we just work, do as much outside work as we can on the outside units. You know, we're doing preventative maintenance, so we can check them out a little bit and then, you know, head out and return at another time when maybe this is calmed down. All right, that makes sense. I'm going to share a little bit about my life. By the way, that's really cool that your boss lets you guys do that because the owner that we have, no, you can't turn away a single person. It does not matter. Oh. Dude, I, and, oh, I mean, she kind of let up on that with all this going on. But I am actually a licensed barber. I'm also in the trades, just like you. I do have my degree from Western Michigan. It's in film, video, and media. I don't do anything other than this with it. I mean, I did work for a radio station. But anyway, I work in a barbershop Saturday, this past Saturday. So seven? No. I'm an idiot. Five days ago. That was our last day. Owner was like, hey, we're going to close down until April 6th. Saturday will be the last day. We're like, okay, cool. And then two hours later, Governor Whitmore of Michigan decided to say, hey, non-essential workers have uh, the next three weeks off. So it's been kind of weird for me. Thankfully, I saved money. I'm not really too worried about it. I could technically file for unemployment. But I'm not – I don't know if I'm going to or not just because I have money saved. I'm good. It's not that big of a deal. And truthfully, I've been doing some house calls. So I've been making cash. That's nice. But, um, yeah, like that week, though, before we found out what was going to happen, we got really slow. It was kind of boring at work. I didn't think I would miss annoying clients as much as I did. The one thing that bothered me, though, because I've been cautious. I've been scrubbing my hands. I always do it after haircuts anyways. Use hand sanitizer. Not because I'm afraid of germs or I'm a germophobic. I just want to be clean. I don't. And if you're sick, I don't want it. But I've also been wearing rubber gloves. We bought a bunch of them, and I've been wearing them. One, I started wearing them because I didn't want to get hair splinters because those can leave, like, nasty infections on your hands, and it's just it's a whole type of thing you don't want to deal with. So I started wearing them because of that. I've been wearing them during the the – again, let me go back. The one thing that bothers me is there's a lot of older people, like in the 55 to 68 range, I would say, that did not take this seriously at all. And it really, really bugged me. I have no idea why it irked me so much. But there were, I mean, there were young people too, but mainly the older people, they would say, well, we survived Vietnam or SARS or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. But this is still just a little different. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is something that's very serious. This stuff spreads like a fire in a dry field. I don't want to get it. 
Nobody else wants to get it. So it would be nice if you would be a little more cautious about it. Yep. That's it. There's a guy like, no. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Isn't that crazy that that's such a hard concept to get? Like, look, yeah, you might be healthy. You might go to the gym five days a week. You might only eat kale. But when you go to that gym, are you leaving that virus on that machine that that 75-year-old man's going to come in and and use? Are you, you know, it's not about necessarily if you get it. You know, for some people, it's about who you give it to. Exactly. I I think we all have somebody in our life that that is at risk for this, you know, whether they have a pre-existing condition or, you know, they've been a smoker for the last 35 years. You know, we all know someone that this virus could, could wreak havoc. So, I mean, we just got to maybe take a step back and just look at our neighbor for, for a minute and just say, you know, maybe all this isn't worth it. All this panic buying, all this rushing out to the grocery store. You know, listen, guys, I, I mean, I'm not trying to sit up here and complain, but I got my daughter turns one year old tomorrow. Oh. I got a daughter, a daughter that needs wipes. I got a daughter that needs formula. Yeah. Now, and, and when I go to the store, these things are gone because the people that have money and are more fortunate than than I were able to run to the store and buy four, five, six cans. And, and now we're trying to mix and match what formulas my daughter can drink. And, you know, thank God she we're making the switch to to whole milk right now. Um, but you know, as of right now, as of a couple of weeks ago, there was no formula for my daughter to drink. There's no wipes on the shelf for my daughter to use. Yeah. You know, so it, it, this is directly affecting her. I have, um, I have a four year old, you know, this and I have a four year old yeah. daughter. That's the other thing that, by the way, congrats on having a year old daughter. That's awesome, man. That, Thanks man. We are so excited. The birthdays are fun. Man, unfortunately, this is our first birthday, and uh, we had a big, elaborate, the whole birthday plan, but it, it just everything got shut down with this the sickness. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna Facebook live it for everybody. That's a good that's a good thing to do. My daughter was uh, born on September 11th, so that's always gonna be a weird birthday for her in school. Yeah. So. But I mean, it's kind of cool. She was born the day before me. My birthday September twelfth, so it's kind of cool. It's a cool birthday gift for me. But yeah, it's um, I go there, and thankfully we're not. We don't. Obviously, she's four years old. She's eating like people food now. So yeah. I mean, she has been. But either way, it made it a little bit easier just to buy. Like I've noticed, I've bought a lot more mac and cheese and crackers than anything mm-hmm. else. I even went to go try to buy fresh fruit. And like it was all sold out. I'm like, dude, it's fresh fruit. This will <laughs> expire in like three days. You're not going to eat my that many bananas. <laughs> my daughter loves, like you just said, bananas, fresh fruit. Oh, she, she loves a good macaroni and cheese. <laughs> yeah, the barbershop that I work in is inside uh, Meyer Supercenter. So, like, I'm at the grocery store every single day. I get to, I got to watch it firsthand. And to be honest with you, I didn't believe how much toilet paper was coming off the shelves because of the news broadcast. I decided I go and get my lunch there every day, buy some great little meals for like six bucks. But I'm going down. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna take a little detour. I'm gonna go and check out the toilet paper aisle. Everything was gone. People were panic buying like a motherfucker. I don't. I just didn't understand it. I just didn't. 
And then minor, like some of the people I knew, I was talking to them like during all of it. And they were just saying like, it's crazy because we can't. Meyer had to change their hours just to get everything on the shelves. They were bringing in other brands of other like toilet paper, flushable butt wipes, diapers that they don't even normally carry just to try to meet the demand. And it's just, and it's because people get this, they get this idea of just fear and it scares them and it scares them into doing things they don't have to do, like buying everything up. It's just so unnecessary, but you can't change the mind of every single person. And that's the unfortunate thing of all of this is like how crazy it's been and how so many people that didn't panic have been left out to dry because of the stupidity of other people. So it's just been a weird thing all around, but I will say this though. I've only been off of work since Sunday, technically. And I'm not going to lie. I've been kind of loving it. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, I've just been, I've been binge watching like everything that I've missed on Netflix. I've been watching old NBA finals games. I've been being, I've been able to reach out to a few people I've been neglecting over the past couple of months. So that's been nice. And it's just been, for me, it's like, it's just a nice little, it's a, it's a nice vacation in the middle of the apocalypse. So it's been odd for me, but I've also kind of enjoyed the, I've also really just enjoyed the peace and quiet that it's brought me. So I bet, man, I wouldn't mind a two week vacation right now, but apparently the government thinks I'm essential. So hey, you are essential. You are, man. The government calls me essential, but my paycheck. Yeah. You should definitely receive hazard pay, but I salute you <laughs> and I thank you for everything that you've done while I can. No, man, it's, it's all the doctors. It's I, I'm just out here doing HVAC, man. It, it's the doctors. It's, the front line, the scientists working around the clock just to find us a cure. The doctors that are seeing this every day and treating patients, they're, they're the ones that, that deserve, after all this, deserve two, three, four weeks off. Just just send them all to a beach in, in Hawaii or somewhere, you know, and, and let them rest up. No, let me just say this, though, real quick. So I've had multiple surgeries and when I was a baby, I had, I had my first surgery. I'm a big dude, by the way, anyway. Like, not overweight or anything. I'm just a big dude. But I've had some surgeries. And when my parents first moved into the house, they had my dad. He's built houses all of my life and everything. He's a construction worker. He's done all that. Well, the surgery that I had, they neglected the furnace or the air conditioning, I think, in the house. Either way, the house was boiling there was a guy that worked HVAC that came over and fixed it for free after he heard what kind of surgery I had had. So, yeah, yeah so that's why I say you're a hero, my friend. So, Man, you know, I, just, I, I mean, can't. We are, we are definitely, like like today, we had a, or, or I mean yesterday, we had a customer that, uh, elderly, lung cancer, and, you know, we basically just come over to the house. For, you know, we're, we're, we are trying to help out. So. Yeah, and that's it, cool. It, you know, it, just just help out. Just just help your neighbor. They need it. We need it as a country. We need it as a world. Just, just try to help out. You know, I've been given a little bit more money away to people I see on the streets. I carry bottles of water in my truck solely for if I see someone out on the streets. You know, I carry a little bit extra. So, just anything you can do. It doesn't always have to be about money. Just a, a kind act. Just to kind of help someone maybe get through their day because for some people these are really scary times some people don't or some people choose not to take it serious but you know some people these are really scary times yeah you know, maybe just a smile or a bottle of water helps out 
Definitely. And I, I just think like there's a good number of us that are being cautious, which is what you have to be. You don't have to be so extreme on either side. Like you don't have to be so extreme where you don't care. And then you don't have to be so extreme where you got to buy up everything. Just find the middle and just be the middle. You know, that's it. That's all you got to be. Get your fresh air, get a little exercise, you know, tip the people that are delivering food to your house right now. Well, please, for the love of God, I don't know why this many restaurants are still open, but yes, it just seems like it could be ultimately a bad idea. Cause that just seems like a great way to transfer whatever is going on. So Absolutely. just tip them well, but let's move on. So a freelance camera operator, this is how serious the COVID-19 coronavirus is. The dude was just in the locker room of the Utah jazz and Detroit Pistons game. And I don't know, maybe he came in contact with it before the game who knows, but there's a freelance camera operator. He is in a coma. He showed up at the hospital a couple, I think like a week ago almost, and they said his oxygen level is low, so they induced him. They put him in a coma. They woke him up. They realized his oxygen levels still weren't where they're at, and they put him back in a coma, which, to be honest with you, I can't imagine that's good for the, the brain or the body to be woken up from a coma then put directly right back in it. But there is a camera operator who has – they're keeping him his name private, and yeah, I just wish him the best. But what are your thoughts on the camera operator for the Detroit Pistons? Yeah, man, I, I, so I spoke to one of the uh, longtime coworkers today. Uh, his quote was, he is 52, always smiling and thrilled to be working in the NBA and NFL stadium. Uh, this this guy, this camera operator, was, was scheduled to do some more events coming up, but obviously this this disease, or, or not disease, sorry, but this pandemic, this, this sickness, this virus just ravaged him, and we're really hoping that he comes through uh, just to see anyone from the organization, whether it's a camera operator or, you know, a concession worker or a player uh, come down with this is just, it's just kind of like, you know, it hits home. It's just like, I don't know, man, it's just. I'm hoping I'm hoping he comes out all right. I'm hoping this disease doesn't take take his life like it has many other people so far. So just just positive thoughts with him right now and, and, and the family as well. Yeah, it just I think it just goes to show people again that you necessarily don't have to come in contact, direct contact with the person in order to get it. That just shows the seriousness of it. That they're you know, you don't know. We, again, we don't know how he got it, but at the same time, like this dude worked in the NBA. He happened to work the Utah Jazz Detroit Pistons game. He was in the Utah Jazz locker room, you know, airing the broadcast back to local um, Utah affiliates, and he got stricken with it. And and it's unfortunate. Hopefully, he makes a safe recovery. And then there was another guy that works for the Detroit Pistons. He's a scout for him. His name is. Let me pull this up real quick. I want to say Maury Hanks. Yeah, Maury Hanks. He's a college scout for the Detroit Pistons. He's being hospitalized for COVID-19, and his condition is considered serious. So this is a guy that he's been in basketball pretty much the entirety of his life. He was a scout for the Toronto Raptors. He was part of Dwayne Casey's you know, regime when he was in Toronto. He worked for the Brooklyn Nets. He was a college coach for many years, and now he's a, now he's a college scout for the Detroit Pistons, he has also come down with COVID-19. His The one thing I know about him is he made a real strong push for Jordan Bone 
to be on the Detroit Pistons. So he's definitely like more of a louder voice when it comes to scouts. And he wasn't even traveling with the team. There were 17 members of the Detroit Pistons. They were they were part of the traveling party, I guess, coming back from Philly. And they were all tested. He wasn't part of them. So and nobody even knows how he came in contact with it. This is a guy that mainly works from home. He watches film. He watches footage of college athletes. And, again, this just goes to show you the seriousness of this virus that is going around right now. And if you can, just stay home, stay out of contact with people, keep your social distancing up. We were joking about it at the beginning of this podcast. But in all seriousness, just do your part, stay home, because – it has affected a lot of people. And the reason we're talking about this is because we're a you know, we're a Michigan sports podcast. We're a Detroit Pistons podcast. And this has affected three people of the organization. Christian Woods, the freelance camera operator, and now Maury Hanks. And I'm sure in the next couple of days, probably even if not weeks, we'll hear more about people that have been affected within the organization. And this isn't going away anytime soon. But do you have any final thoughts on any of these stories? Yeah, man. Uh, kind of at the end there, we touched on Christian Wood. Uh, he has received uh, his last negative test. Uh, if you don't know, if you test positive for COVID nineteen, you have to have two tests within twenty four hours apart that are both negative to be cleared of the virus. So Christian Wood took a second test, negative. So he is one of the first NBA players to to make a recovery from from the virus. Not all that surprising because I mean, NBA players are in tip-top shape physically and, and, you know, what they put in their bodies is, is strictly modern. Yeah, and they have all you know, they have and, a bunch of resources around them as well. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of medical guys around those guys to get them the care that they, I mean, they need as fast. It'd be awesome if we could get normal people that care. But yeah. This isn't that kind of podcast. Is it? Nope, it's not. <laughs> But yeah, Christian Woods, he has recovered. And here's my thoughts on this. Do you think he'll be remembered more for the season he was having or the being one of the three NBA players to be to come down with uh, COVID-19? He definitely has got a name for himself now. Now, uh, I've said it on a couple of podcasts. I listen to NBA radio on SiriusXM religiously. Um, and they were actually just talking about Christian Woods today on the way home from work. Um, being one of the players that has finally tested negative that had the virus in the NBA. Um, and they were talking about, you know, him and the virus, yes, but they were also talking about the, the kind of the year he's having. So I think on a national scale, maybe him having the virus is, is more of the story. But for the, for the people, the real, you know, NBA news reporters that knew about Christian Wood are, you know, reporting about not only the virus, but the year he was having and the kind of impact. Um, I, I thought today, you know, with this whole Corona shutting down the NBA season, um, for as long as we can see and, and possibly the NBA only coming back to, to play the playoffs. So regular season could be done. This could actually work out in Detroit's favor on resigning. And I think maybe we should be dive into that on the podcast. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking, like, what if the coronavirus 
and him getting all this national attention screws over the Pistons because now he be- <laughs> becomes a bigger name. There's going to be like some teams that are like, wait a minute, Christian Wood, yeah, he was quietly having a good season, but now let me take a deeper yeah. dive into who he is. And now there's going to be like, I don't know if you believe in like laws of attraction or anything like that, but there's going to be a lot of fans out there that are like, let my team sign, let my team sign Christian Woods. Please bring him to whatever team they're rooting for. And that's now what we're going to be battling all because of this. Now he's a bigger name. Casual fans are going to look up his basketball reference numbers. They're going to see what he's doing. They're going to watch all the highlight tapes. They may even recognize him in the prison basketball documentary on Netflix when one of the guys gets out and gets a trial for the Santa Cruz Warriors. Yes, Christian Wood was also trying out for that team. And it is just wild to know where his career has gone from getting a tryout with a former prison inmate to being the star of the Detroit Pistons. And I don't think any NBA player has had a crazier story than that. But, yeah, Christian Woods, I just think, like, it's it's kind of – I always think it's kind of cool to be in any type of club. Like, you're one of three NBA players that got the coronavirus, which isn't cool because it could ultimately take your life. But also, at the same time, you're one of only three people that this has happened to. You are definitely – a chapter, you're a big part of so, the, that chapter in the NBA. Can I? I sorry, man, but there's no. there's definitely more than three players in the NBA. Uh, there's three people on the the Brooklyn Nets. Yup, I can't believe I forgot that. about that. Um, yeah, so all them, a couple other teams have come out with players that have tested positive. Okay. What the, the the number is much greater than three, but I do not know the number offhand. You're right. There were three people from the Brooklyn Nets. One of them was Kevin Durant, and then there was a few people from the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's honestly when I stopped following it. So let me retract yeah. what I said. Christian Wood is one of the first three players to be stricken with that the coronavirus, know. and he is part of a small club in that in that essence. But yes, there's been multiple NBA players. You're right. I completely forgot. <laughs> That's stupid. All right. Oh, no, it's all good. I don't pay attention to those teams anyways. It's just the Detroit Pistons. Right. So, yeah. So, Christian Wood, I do think ultimately he will be remembered for being one of the first three NBA players um, being you know coming down with the coronavirus versus the great season that he's had, even though he's had an incredible season. And like I was, and I again made a joke about how he was trying out for the Santa Cruz Warriors with a former prison inmate who won some prison league championship to earn a trial with the Santa Cruz Warriors, and he has come that far. I made a joke about it, but it just shows the determination in the competitive the competitiveness of Christian Woods to kind of like take reclaim his career and become the player he has. So, shout out to Christian Wood. I'm glad he's healthy, and I can't wait to watch him in the Detroit Pistons uniform next season. But Can we have a podcast where we don't talk about him? Where we don't talk? <laughs> where, do we have one? I don't I don't think we do, but could we, I mean, do you think we could physically do one? I mean, even with the season started, he's the only storyline. <laughs> yeah, no, he no, we no, we can definitely do one without without him. I I have some topics, but it's funny because you know the game that they just re-aired, it was the December 14th game. That was like one of the first podcasts we did, and we talked about how much better the Pistons offense looked without Andre Drummond because of Christian Wood, <laughs> and that might have been what started this whole trend was that December 14th, 2019 game. It's, it's probably what got Drummond traded, honestly. Dude, that's what I said. I almost sent out a tweet 
when they re-aired the game because I was thinking this game will be called the realization game when Pistons fans realized how much better the team was without Andre Drummond. Something like that. I was going to send it out, but I'm like, eh, I still really like Andre Drummond. But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> we're close to ending this podcast, so we just want to share something personal with you guys. As I said earlier, I have been laid off from the radio station. I'm technically still on the schedule. I don't get hours, but I'm staying on the schedule, not collecting money, just so I can come into the studio and we continue doing this podcast. But this will actually be the final episode of Off the Field Podcast. We're actually going to rebrand it, give it a new name. And yeah, we have some more projects that we don't really want to speak on right now that are coming out in the near future. But Andrew and I and his team for Everything Pistons, we've kind of decided to move in a different direction. And that's what you'll be seeing. You'll see a post on our Twitter accounts and our Instagram accounts, I believe, coming up here in the next, hopefully the next couple of days once we get everything sorted out. But this will be the final episode of Off the Field between Andrew and I. But we're still going to deliver content. And what's really has wanted me to continue doing this, one is since I was five years old, I've only wanted to talk about sports and interview athletes, but also the messages I've gotten from people and actually the tweets where people tell me that they listen to this podcast when they're at work and they want us to keep doing it and everything. And that includes Sam and what Sam and I do every week as well. But, you know, just to show, I mean, the support that we've gotten from you guys is just incredible. Like I, yeah, this was just kind of more of a fun project for the radio station and I really wanted to get on air, but then Andrew came to me and we started doing this Pistons podcast and I freaking love it. I love talking about the Detroit Pistons. They're my favorite team. I've been following them for a number of years and just to be able to talk about them like we do and have everybody listen to them like you guys do, it just means a lot and we really do mean thanks. So I'm going to turn it over to you. You got anybody to thank or you want to add on to that? No, I do. I do. Obviously, thank you, everybody that listens, everybody that follows, all the new followers. Welcome. Uh, And hope we can turn you into long-time followers. Uh, But, man, uh, I was just thinking while you were talking. I started a little Pistons account called Everything Pistons uh, when we were on that seven-game win streak with Brandon Jennings. Um, and and to, to see where it's grown, over 10,000 on Instagram. Um, I was growing Twitter, had to be said it. Um, never in a thousand years thought I'd be doing a podcast and thought people would be coming to me for, for news. So it's just so surreal. And, man, I couldn't have, I couldn't have picked a better, better podcast to just hop on and, you know, get in your backpack because, you're one of you're an absolute great host, and I find myself rambling sometimes. And you just step in and take the reins. So, man, thank you to you, thank you to your team, the radio station, and, and everybody over there that allows me to have a voice and, and talk about a team I love and a team that I have a lot of ideas about and, and love and study their history. So, it, it's a it, it like you said, man. It's a dream come true. I get to I get to talk about sports for at least a you know about an hour a week with with somebody and, and people listen and like you said, tweet or or direct message about the podcast and it's a lot of fun. Man. So so thanks for bringing that into into my life. Yeah, it's I wanted. I mean, yeah. Other than saying thank you to you and Sam and the the teams that we have and the radio station, it really is just all about the fans and. 
the people that listen. Like, we don't have a ton of subscribers, but we do got a lot, a lot more than I thought, which was crazy. And we had a large number of people listening to it every week. People that have been turned in, turned in questions. Some people that have gotten mad about the answers we've given questions to. It's all seriously just fun and games. And this is such a fun podcast to do, but we are going to rebrand it. Unfortunately, when I first came up with this name off the field, my goal was to eventually have a national show. And what I was telling Andrew before we came on, I used to do a college radio show at my alma mater, Western Michigan University, for the wider program. And I had a general manager. He's like, why the hell are you talking about national sports stories from Kalamazoo, Michigan? Who cares? And that, And I was just like, well, that's my dream. My dream is just to talk about you know, LeBron James and what's going on in Dallas or whatever, you know, whatever storyline was out there. That's what I wanted to talk about. But then he made me realize like the the thing is there's not much going on in the state of Michigan when it comes to sports on air personalities, talking about the teams and nobody ever really covers it. You know, there's a few people and I've actually had the privilege to talk to those people like John Macaroon, Dave Burkett, Eric Schlitt, guys like that, who I appreciate a ton for coming on and giving me the time of day to spend 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes on this podcast talking about the Lions, talking about the Pistons, talking about whatever. I've, I've loved that, and that's what this podcast has done for me. And it's a shame that off the field has to be buried. Like, I don't mean – I don't want to say it's dead, but at the same time, like, we're just going to rebrand it. We're going to make it more Michigan-themed. But this has been one hell of a ride, and the ride's not over. And I do appreciate everybody – that listens. I appreciate Andrew. I appreciate Sam. I appreciate my boss, Jim, and I appreciate the teams that are just behind us, helping us push this podcast as much as they do. So again, I just really want to say thank you. And I think that's a way to end the podcast, but if you want to say anything else, I'll give you the floor, but if not, this is it. And I'll get into the um, outro in a second. Yeah, man, just, I, I'm excited. Uh, this isn't, you know, I understand the, the whole, sadness about kind of leaving the off the field name but silver linings it's we're growing it's it's we're going to rebrand in a way that is easier for, for more user friendly for, for the listeners yep. easier to find us you know maybe uh, have a, have somewhere to, that they can go to instead of having to go to itunes or soundcloud or wherever they listen somewhere that they can go that has everything there for them so it's going to be growth, and it's going to lead to a lot of a lot of good things for the podcast. So I'm really excited to do this and, and come out with new logos and, and all that. Super excited to to see the uh, the feedback we get from it. Yeah, I'm excited too. Me and Sam were talking about and just talking about how someday we're going to be each smoking a nice cigar, collecting our beer money from this five years from now, mm-hmm. just laughing about it. So. Yeah, again, just thank you to everybody. And with that, uh, thanks for listening to Off the Field Podcast. You can listen to every episode on 1660thefan.com, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast. Leave a comment, give us a rating. More importantly, hit that subscribe button.